Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. And it starts right now. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Sports Unlimited here on Southern Sports Central. My name is Brandon Biscobing, and we've got a big show, three hours loaded with all sorts of sports content. And as always, if you want to call in, you want to get in on the conversation, that number to call, 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. We'll start off with a little bit of pro sport talk and and some college sports talk to start it off this morning. And we'll start off in the MLB, where the MLB playoffs are heating up very quickly. ALDS just about finished. Yankees and Rays are tied at two right now. They've got their final game, Game 5, tonight. And... Yankees are bringing out their ace, Garrett Cole, who won the first game for the Yanks back earlier this week, uh, and he he will take the hill for game five tonight. So I'm expecting the Yankees to advance, but this is definitely going to be one of the best games of the playoffs, at definitely thus far, but I would have to say it's going to be one of the best games of the playoffs overall even moving ahead into the championship series and then the world series, obviously. But yeah, Yankees, you know, they, they played, they've been playing pretty well, you know, won the first game, lost the next two, and then won the last game, game four. Maybe not quite as well as the Vikings played coming into this series, but it is a rivalry game. This rivalry has definitely heated up this season. Uh, most notably, there was a brawl earlier on in the season, a little bit, a little scuffle between the two teams. So that added impetus of a rivalry game on top of obviously being in the playoffs anyway definitely makes for a big series and one that both teams definitely want to win. And it comes down to the final day. It comes down to game five tonight. So that will be one to definitely look out for if you're a baseball fan. On the other side, in the in the AL, Houston beat Oakland pretty commandingly 3-1. to one. Creates an interesting storyline if the Yankees do advance. You know, obviously, 
a couple of years ago. Houston winning the World Series, beating the Yankees in the ALCS. And all the controversy that since came out about that. And I mentioned last week, I've mentioned, you know, over the last couple of weeks about Houston and how this year going into the season initially before everything broke down and everything got shut down, that was the big storyline going into the season was the was the scandal with the Astros and how teams were going to react, how teams were going to, you know, they were going to get plunked a lot, et cetera, et cetera. And you saw it a little bit during the uh, regular season to start off with, but especially with the pandemic and everything, it didn't have as much fuel as it would have otherwise. But now, if the Astros continue to make this run, especially if they're able to beat the Yankees somehow and make it to the series, that fuel will be heated up once again, especially now. uh, We have no idea if we're going to be back to really normal, normal by March. I'm hoping we will, but I'm not. I'm just being honest here. I don't think we will. If we get even some fans in the stadium and it's not as much, you know, we get a full season next season and all that. I think there's going to be a lot more retaliation towards the Astros, especially if they make a run to the World Series. Uh, Even making it to the ALCS, yeah, they had kind of an easy road. They didn't necessarily have to face the top caliber teams, but they were still coming into this, this series as a wild card team. So it's not like they were coming into this as one of the top teams uh in in the league. So that's going to be an interesting storyline there. I I'm definitely looking forward to that series if that happens. And then on the flip side on the NL side, LA and Atlanta both swept their series to advance to the NLCS. That should be a fun matchup. Uh I I I think it or I think LA probably has this one in the bag. Whether or not they do is a different question. Obviously, the the game is won and lost on the field. But just looking at it, I think Atlanta's a good team. Don't get me wrong. They're a very good team. I just don't think they're quite to the level of L.A. They're a very young team. They haven't been in this position before. L.A. has. I think L.A. is going to be the team. And I'm between the two sweeps, you know, Atlanta, you know, my Miami essentially got gifted it pretty much. They got very lucky that they got in this season. They wouldn't have been in otherwise. Uh, yes, they're a team on the rise, but they're not, they're not really there. Um, you know, they're, they're not there yet. Uh, I'm much more surprised that L.A. swept San Diego. But then again, it proves the old adage to be right, which is, you know, we always say, it. you know, offense brings in the crowds, but defense wins championships. And that's what you saw in the NLDS this year, is that, yes, 
no matter how good the offense of Slam Diego is, if you don't have the pitching and defense to keep it going, in case you do have a cold night, you're not going to get anywhere come crunch time. So, L.A., Atlanta, I, I'm going with L.A. I, I'm still sticking to my original pick, which is L.A. against the Yankees. Uh, that's going to be – it will be a very fun matchup if we do get it, and, and I think we will. Uh, so, I'm, I'm looking forward to that uh, over in the MLB. Some sad news came out this week. Bob Gibson died at 84. Bob Gibson, the you know, the Hall of Fame pitcher from the Cardinals, uh, you know, legendary career. So you know, sad to see him go. A lot of a lot of big names dying this year in the on in the baseball world. Tom Seaver died uh, earlier this year as well. Moving to the NBA, some quick NBA news. Uh, the the finals and the season, which you know is was much longer than everyone anticipated, should have been over back in June, but obviously circumstances changed that. But we are almost done. I think tonight is going to be the last game of the NBA season. Game five of the finals. Lakers up three one, and are the Heat going to give them a run for their money? Yes. But I'm I'm calling it right now. I think the Lakers finish it off tonight, and LeBron gets his fourth ring. So, and then let the debates begin. You know, as soon as he wins that fourth ring, everyone's gonna be saying, "Oh, is he is he better than MJ?" No, I don't think he's better than MJ. But you know, he's still up there. That doesn't discount what he's done in the league. Just because you're not the greatest of all time does not mean you're not, does not mean you're not great. You know, Peyton Manning was one of the best quarterbacks of all time, but even Tom Brady, when push comes to shove, no. And we saw that on the field, at least in that scenario, you saw it on the field. But in this scenario, you would love to be able to go into a time machine and see what would happen in that situation, in that matchup. But unfortunately, you know, we, we don't have we don't have time machines. At least not yet. I I'm 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 hoping we do get time machines. I would love to be able to go back in time and and check out a bunch of different things. But yeah, you know, we we don't have time machines right now. So so that's a quick NBA news. Uh. NHL had their draft uh, this past week. Rangers selected Alexis Lafreniere with the number one overall pick. Uh, Rangers still trying to rebuild. And, you know, having the number one overall pick will certainly help with that. Los Angeles Kings drafted Quinton Byfield with the second overall pick. The highest drafted black player in NHL history, so congratulations to him. Nice to see the NHL, which has always been kind of derided, but also, you know, it's it's been derided, but also kind of made fun of just because of, you know, what it is, what kind of sport it is and everything. 
as you know, it's it's an all white league and all of that. It's nice seeing some you know some black players deciding to go that hockey route. Uh, you know, you have PK Subban you have a few other players uh both past and present in the league as well the senators had three picks drafted tim stutzel from germany jake sanderson and ridley greg uh so you know they they're definitely trying to rebuild and they're trying to get back into the stanley cup playoffs and the devils also had three picks and drafted Alexander Holtz, Dawson Mercer, and Shakir Mukhamadullin. So they're they're trying to rebuild as well, and both of those uh, franchises are going to hope that those extra draft picks will help them. Moving on to the NFL real quick. The big news that came out this week, well, a couple of big news stories. One... One on the field and one off the field. We'll talk about the on the field one first. Bill O'Brien fired after the Texans started 4-0. and And, I mean, especially after the, the 4-0 and start, you kind of saw the writing was on the wall. You knew that some was, someone was going to have to take the heat for this. And it's it's got to be Bill O'Brien. And, and rightfully so. Because I'm going to just say it right now. Yes, their defense isn't all that great, you know, even though they have great pieces around them. But the real reason why they're losing these games, the real reason why they're struggling so poorly right now, is because Deshaun Watson doesn't really have any weapons around him. And the reason for that is because apparently Bill O'Brien had some issues with DeAndre Hopkins. And as a result of that, he decides to trade his best wide receiver, arguably one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, away. You don't do that. That's that's some Babe Ruth level trading right there. And he took the rap for it, which which is accurate. He should have. So, you know... He'll probably land somewhere, whether it's in the NFL or in college. But a boneheaded decision gets his butt fired. And rightfully so. That's all I've got to say about that. Bill O'Brien, you reap what you sow. You You should have tried to work harder to build that relationship with Hopkins. And instead, you just let one of the best receivers in the league go. Before we move on to the bigger story and the not-so-good story in the NFL this week, we'll talk about some games real quick. The Bears beat the the Buccaneers last night, 2019, and I'm really surprised, honestly, at this one. I honestly forgot that the game was on. It was, you know, it you know with with doing high school and and focusing on so many different things and doing the show with Richie last night and everything. Uh, it completely slipped my mind. So I didn't get to see what caused the Buccaneers to lose last night. But I'm still surprised that they lost. 
And I'm not sure what to make of it because I still, and maybe this is me believing the the negative hype essentially of Mitchell Trubisky, but still don't see no matter how good that defense, still don't see the the legitimate contender. And I said it at the beginning of the season that, yes, I don't think the Buccaneers are just going to come out of the gate and blow everyone away and take the, the league by storm. You know, it doesn't work that way, especially this year without a preseason. But, I'm, but I still thought the Buccaneers, with Tom Brady at the helm, would win a game like this. So I'm not sure if I should take this as the Bears being legitimate or the Buccaneers being, you know, not as good as the season, and they may not even make the playoffs this season, or if it's just kind of a fluke, a, a fluke game, or if it's, you know, as a result of, you know, the current situation. I'm not sure how to take this. Like I said, I didn't see the game last night, so I'm not, you know, that. That kind of, you know, me not actually seeing how it went down does impact that. But I still, I'm not sure, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure what to take of this. But, you know, hey, congrats to the Bears. Some games to watch this week. Jaguars and Texans uh, face off, and and while under normal circumstances a one and three team facing off against an zero and three zero and four team wouldn't be a game that you'd want to watch. It's going to be interesting to see if the coaching change, if the firing of Bill O'Brien will affect anything, or if the Texans will continue their collapse. So that's going to be. That's the only reason why I'd even consider watching this game is just because, especially because it is against the Jaguars, and thus it should be a winnable game for the Texans. You know, but that's the question: Are they going to be able to win? Colts and Browns, and these two teams, at least to me, I was very surprised. I know a lot of people, especially for the Colts. A lot of people had the Colts winning the NFC or the AFC South, but I'm not sure. I I wasn't convinced that Philip Rivers was going to come in and be all Philip Rivers and dominate uh, the AFC South and be able to really lead the Colts to the promised land. But he's done it thus far. And the Browns look like they've turned it over a new leaf. Looks like Baker Mayfield has started to get things clicking over in Cleveland. But now the question is, this week, which out of these two teams are for real? Who comes out and shows that that undefeated record on their ledger is legit? So, it is, you know, the Colts had a contender against pretender matchup last week and now this week they have won once again will they be able to pull it off again who knows 
That's the fun. It, that's going to be a fun matchup to watch. And then the interesting matchup, and, and we'll talk about the reasoning behind it after I talk about the game itself. But Bills and Titans on Tuesday. It's fitting that this is a good game, that, that they had to move it to Tuesday night. Because both teams are coming in undefeated. It's another game of, you know, con- content. Uh, I won't necessarily say contender against pretender, because I think both teams can definitely make it to the playoffs, especially this year. But it real it is that test of who is for real, who is a legitimate threat in the AFC. And it and it's very fitting that it gets moved to Tuesday night onto a national stage. But now we have to talk about the reasoning for why it had to be moved to that national stage. I mean, it's a it, it's kind of funny. This season while you hate to see what's going on, and obviously you don't want it to get to become too big, which I don't think it will. You know, uh, we we saw with MLB, they now they have it a little easier. The MLB has it a little easier because they can push back games and finagle things around and whatnot. I mean, they had to do it with St. Louis. I don't. Th- I don't even know if St. Louis played all of their games. E- even with a shortened sixty-game season, they they had some leeway. Football doesn't have that. Football doesn't have that luxury. And even when it comes to moving games to, you know, say a Tuesday night, or you know, I don't think they'd ever move it to a Wednesday night or anything. But it makes it a little trickier. Because of the physicality of football, because you have to, uh, because you really have to fight, you know, you're battling it out in there, and a lot of injuries happen, a lot of fatigue happens, a lot of wear and tear happens. So you need those extra days to recoup and recover. Whereas with baseball, you don't, and thus you can play you know, you're playing five, six, seven games straight. So football's a little bit harder to schedule around these things. But you know, the the big the, the question is, uh, you know, will will they be able to get through this? Will they be able to pull this off? Yes. They'll figure out a way. There's just way too much money involved. Uh, way too much at stake. And, you know, the MLB pulled it off, the NBA pulled it off, the NHL pulled it off. The NFL will be able to do it. But, look, the kind of upside to, to everything that's been going on is that now you get to see, now it's through unfortunate circumstances. But now you get to see these matchups getting moved to primetime slots that outside of maybe a Thursday night game, which oftentimes gets, you know, kind of crappy games at times. This allows teams that may not necessarily get that primetime spotlight because of 
the the market that they're in or what have you. They get those primetime spots now. You know, Bills Titans on paper this season because they're both 4 and 0, because they're both one of the better teams in the league, you would expect them to get into a primetime game. But because of their markets, they normally wouldn't. But now because of what happened, they get that opportunity. And unf- but unfortunately, the reason why this happened is because the Titans continue to get hit hard by COVID. They ha- and and that's what forced the game to get pushed back. So you know, upside downside. Hopefully, they'll be able to get this game in uh, because the Titans already lost one game. So they're kind of sitting on the edge right now. Uh, the big news last week that happened after uh after our after my show last week happened on Saturday is that Cam Newton tested positive. And luckily for the Patriots they out the only positive case or I think there might have been one or two but one or two other others but it didn't they didn't have enough to have to postpone the entire week. And they did play pay the the Chiefs on Monday. Um, you know, lucky that there weren't more cases so they didn't have to postpone outright. Uh but since then, Stefan Gilmore also got the virus. Um a Raider also got the virus this week, but on but apparently he was the only one. There haven't been any other Las Vegas cases. So they're still playing Sunday. Gilmore's positive test caused the Patriots game to be pushed back to Monday. Uh, so it's been, it hasn't been the greatest of weeks for the NFL, but they've been able to work through it and figure out ways to work around it. And the big question, though, for Patriots fans is, how long is Newton going to be out for? Because, you know, while play that terribly uh, last week, they they didn't play all that good either. Uh, you know, so they're going to definitely want to, you know, continue uh, playing strong here. Uh, you know, this week, uh, you know, or they're they're gonna wanna be able to rebound. Uh, this week they they lost to the Chiefs. Now, granted, it's against the Chiefs, but you know they would have liked it to be a little closer than twenty six to ten. Uh, you know. Whether or not they're able to do that is is a different story, uh, you know. But they're definitely going to want Cam Newton to be back on that field much quicker, uh, you know, sooner rather than later. Now, the one thing uh, before we talk about the, you know, well, we talked about the games this week. So one more thing before we take a break. Uh, you know, and and I'm sure people are going to ask this question. And and again, if you if you want to call in and talk some some you know NFL, college, high school, what have you, uh, 
you know, some sports, that number to call is 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. But I'm sure I'm I'm sure there are people out there screaming at 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 their computer. Why is the NFL able to do this and and just push games back, you know, by a couple of days? But college and high school have to go outright for one case. Well, the answer to that is simple. It's testing. It's the fact that the NFL is testing all of these players. I'm not sure if it's on a daily basis at this point. I think it may be once every other day or something along those lines. There is a positive test. The NFL is then able to go into overdrive and test the entire team immediately and test them again right, you know, shortly before the game to make sure that no one else has it. They have the resources to be able to do that. College football, you know, outside of maybe the SEC, but even the SEC would be kind of, strapped on cash to be able to do that, I think. But college football isn't able to do that. They don't they're not able to test everyone every day. And high school, forget about it. You're basically on your own. So that's the reason why, even for one positive test, you have to postpone for two weeks or for one week or what have you. Because you just simply don't have the ability, you don't have the resources to be able to test nearly as much as the NFL has. So we'll take a quick break, and we'll come right back. We'll talk about some college football stuff. We'll talk some high school stuff as we get ready for our first guest of the morning to come on at 8.15. That will be Lou Bejack from the state. Uh, at 8.30, we'll have Caleb Godfrey, offensive lineman from Carolina Forest, coming on. And then at 9, we've got Brandon Dunn from WPDE coming on. So a big guest list to this morning uh, to talk about both locally and nationally. So be sure to stay tuned right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. And once again, that number, if you want to call in and talk some sports, 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. We'll be right back and talk some college college football here on Sports Unlimited.
boy hat from Gucci, ring around my booty. Can't nobody tell me nothing. Welcome back to Sports Unlimited here on Southern Sports Central. And as always, if you want to give us a call, talk some sports, 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. We'll switch gears over to the college side real quick. And a couple of games postponed this week, but not as a result of COVID. Surprise, surprise. This week, as a result of some hurricanes, yes, hurricanes are still a thing right now, even in the COVID world, and and hurricanes have been even more of a thing this year because this has been a record-setting year for hurricanes. But outside of the Gulf, which has been hit fairly hard, we did have one uh, back in August here on the Grand Strand, but Outside of that, we've been spared for the most part. Uh, so luckily, throughout the football season thus far, uh, haven't really had many issues. Not completely out of the woods yet. The hurricane st- season's still about a month uh, left, a little less than a month left. So still happening. But on the Gulf, Hurricane Delta is on its way towards the, uh, you know the Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, that area. And as a result, Coastal Carolina versus Louisiana, which was supposed to be take it, which was supposed to take place down in Louisiana, that got pushed back a week due to Hurricane Delta. That will be played on Wednesday of next week. Uh Happy State against Georgia Southern also postponed. And LSU Missouri, while it was not postponed, they decided to switch venues, and that will be played in Columbia in Missouri instead of down in Baton Rouge this weekend. Some games to watch out for uh, this weekend: Florida, Texas A&M. That road, that the road doesn't get any easier this week for the Aggies after losing to Alabama. They have to face a top-ranked Florida team that's, you know, trying to stay in that hunt for the SEC East title. 
on the other side of that rivalry of the uh, biggest, uh, largest, uh, drawing a blank on the name, largest cocktail party. There we go. Forgot the word cocktail for a second. Largest cocktail party in the world over in Georgia. They have to face off against Tennessee, who is also ranked. So those two games for both Georgia and are big matchups that they both want to win to stay in contention for that SEC East crown and and look to hopefully try to beat out Alabama and potentially you know get themselves a spot in uh, in the college football playoff. Richie, he thinks that two, maybe even three SEC teams should make it. I would hope not, but we'll have to wait and see. Some other, a couple of other big matchups uh, this weekend: Virginia Tech against North Carolina. That should be a fun one. And then the big one on Saturday night is Miami Clemson. Top top ten matchup. I don't think Miami is there quite yet. Yes, they're on the rise, but I think Clemson has this one in the bag. I think Clemson will come out on top. I'm not sure on a on a final score, but I'm Clemson's going to win this one. So I think Florida will beat Texas A&M. North Carolina, I think, will beat Virginia Tech. Georgia will beat Tennessee. Clemson will be Miami. I don't see any big upsets this weekend, at least out of those four. Moving over to the high school side now, some recruiting news real quick. First, uh, a lot of recruiting news uh, this weekend or over this week. Jameson Tucker from Malden offered by Elon. Xavion Wells from Lakewood offered by Marshall. He's getting a lot of offers. Uh, he's gotten a couple of offers over the last couple of weeks and he's only a junior. So this year, you know, he's able to use this year as as a building platform and then use next year as an an even bigger building platform, unless he decides to commit early. But I think that will all depend upon what kind of offers he's getting. He's already getting division one FBS offers but he may wait to see if he gets some power five offers. So we'll, we'll see on that. Omar Khan from Oregon offered by Campbell. Solomon Butler from Berkeley committed to Western Kentucky or Western Carolina. Excuse me. Uh, Chris Roan from great collegiate offered by Georgia state. Shaheem Scotland from Wren committed to Charlotte. So congrats to him and Solomon Butler for their commitments. Chase Simmons, North Royal Beach guy, another offer for him. This time Charlotte comes a knocking. So congrats to him. He's you know, he's a senior, so he's gonna you know, he he doesn't have quite as much time as some other guys do. Um he'll probably end up in, you know, the Sun Belt or in a group you know, a group of five school. But still, you know, big props to him building himself as much as he has, um, you know, in the off season, Richie and I were talking about it last night, using that off season, using that downtime as not really downtime, but instead as a building platform to say, 
hey, I'm I'm going to become the best I can be, and he really capitalized on that, and he's showing it. He's showing it in the regular season too. So congrats to him. Some one basketball uh, offer. Brandon Gardner from Great Collegiate offered by Georgetown. So congrats to him. Big East, uh, Big East offer. A lot of Big East schools deciding to come down to South Carolina to recruit. Um, obviously Xavier uh, getting both, uh, you know, getting Cesar, Cesar Edwards uh, to commit to Xavier. Also, having Jamari Briggs get offered by Xavier uh, as well. Both of those guys from On the girls' side, Joyce Edwards from Camden was offered by Vanderbilt. And then on the baseball diamond, two commitments this week. Ty Marshall from Brooklyn Casey committed to Clemson, while Marshall Whitmer from Wando committed to Georgetown. So two big commits. For those guys, congrats to those guys. And, uh, yeah. Lot. South Carolina is just, and that's what's so much fun about getting into, you know, covering high school sports here in South Carolina. This, at this moment in history, is that this state is growing in terms of the talent pool and in terms of, the recognition that it's getting from around the country. You know, you're getting guys getting top offers from top schools from around the country. Not just, you know, you know, and and this is partially due to the internet. This is partially due to any coach being able to watch any player from anywhere in in the country and not necessarily having to rely on their pipelines. But, you know, back, you know, even, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you basically, unless you were one of the top, top, top recruits in the country and thus going to these, you know, whether it's the All-American Bowl or the McDonald's All-American game or, you know, perfect game for baseball unless you were going to those national showcases, more often than not, you were going to get recruited by a school within your area. So for South Carolina, it would be South Carolina, Clemson, you know, maybe North Carolina, maybe NC State, you know, maybe Georgia, maybe Florida, you know, Southeastern schools. And it, and even then, it would probably be limited more so to, you know, South Carolina and Clemson, for, at least for Power 5. Now, you know, look at, look at the two Myrtle Beach wide receivers. J.J. Jones was getting offers from Michigan, getting offers, uh, I think he might have had an offer from out west. I, I forget his exact... Uh, his exact numbers. He had a ton of offers from around the country and powerhouse programs at that. And then on the other side of the ball for him or for Merle Beach, Aiden Hickman, or not, excuse me, not Aiden Hickman. 
I'm I'm thinking I'm I'm thinking basketball right now. A- Adam Randall, excuse me. Adam Randall, he gets an offer from Oregon. So you know these guys are are showing off and and showing the country what they can do, and that's very impressive and very fun to be able to watch and to be a part of. So congrats to all the guys that got offers this week. Uh, some high school updates real quick. Uh, we'll start off with with the you know the bad news, the the COVID news. Swansea forced to miss two games. Their next two games due to COVID cases was supposed to play Fox Creek and Brooklyn Casey. Yet another 3A team to be affected. Burns against would have been the biggest matchup in the upstate this week. Probably would have been the biggest matchup in the state as a whole this weekend or this week. But that was postponed. Burns against TL Anna also canceled uh, due to Burns gang cases. Newberry against Eau Claire uh, and batesburg Leesville postponed. Lugoff Elgin against Westwood, both quarantined for two weeks following a Lugoff Elgin player coming down with COVID and playing last week. And that's not a good look, uh, you know, for South Carolina as a whole. The fact that, I mean, granted, you know, the, the testing is limited. You, you don't necessarily know if you don't have symptoms. So unless you're getting tested, you know, you're you're not gonna know for sure. Uh but not but still not a good sign moving forward, especially with what came out this week with the SEHSL. And we'll see what happens uh there. Or we'll we'll talk about that whole news in just a little bit. The big news, at least for locally, that that causes is it pushes Westwood's games, their their next two games that were supposed to play, be played tonight and next week, back a couple of weeks. So their game against Rehare gets moved back from this week to the 30th, which canceled the matchup against Carolina Forest that they were supposed to have the non-region matchup between the two squads that was supposed to happen on the 30th. So Carolina Forest looking for a new opponent uh for looking for a new opponent for the thirtieth. Not sure if they'll get one, especially this late in the proceedings. Uh I'll ask Brandon Dunn later on if he's heard anything about that. Uh but it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough unless another school drops out or there's another test, you know, positive case or something like that, that it's going to be very tough for the Panthers to find an opponent. So that may end up being a bye week for them before their final game of the season against Wilson. Uh, And they were not the only grand strand team to be affected this week from outside forces canceling games. Uh, because Conway also had their game uh, postponed because Rock Hill and Blythewood post had to postpone to the 29th. 
uh, because of uh, COVID cases. So that canceled the matchup between Blythewood and Conway for the 30th. Uh, so, you know, a, a rough week this week all around, and, and especially for the Midlands. And I, I'm going to ask Lou about this when he comes on. What, in his opinion, in his thoughts, what's the reason why the Midlands has been hit so hard? Because, you know, while the Grand Strand teams, while multiple Grand Strand teams now have been indirectly affected by COVID, fortunately, and I think it's kind of more of a luck than skill type of situation, as as Ian Garen and I talked about last week. But no grand, no grand strand or PD team has been directly impacted by COVID yet, which is good, which is very good. But, you know, we want to keep it that way. But even there, you know, now non-region games have been affected as a result of cases elsewhere. Some other uh, games that were canceled. um, And and like I said, well, let me just say first real quick, and and I'll ask Lou about this in in a little bit. As a result of Luga Felgen, Westwood, Rock Hill, Blythewood, almost all of the Midlands, football programs have had to reschedule games because of cases as a result of cases themselves or cases of their opponents. 28 of the 32 programs have been affected in the Midlands. And that's not a good look. One final note, uh, or a couple of final notes uh, for COVID. Uh, Batesburg, Leesville out for the next two weeks. Uh, that creates a scheduling issue for Region 3, 2A. And I was looking at the schedule. I was looking at the updated schedule uh, earlier this week. And for some reason, and I may have to get an upstate guy to come on next week to talk about this and tell me what what is going on with this. But... It looks as though Region One A and or Region One and One A has basically given up on you know scheduling all the region games because four of their six schools had to postpone in week one, then two of them had to postpone week two, and then two two in week three as well and two in week four and no one the only team that has all five of their games scheduled and there's a couple of teams that you know have open slots um and it and it's been as a result it's been as a result of some weird scheduling and some you know bad issues or and and some unfortunate issues, but the only team that is supposed to play their entire slate of games is McCormick because they've been 
essentially spared uh, the game yet. But they played Southside Christian last week. And the only, you know, and the only other school that's, you know, available. Oh, although, you know, you would think that they'd be able to play Ware Shoals this week. Uh, but I guess they have cases there, so they've had some issues. Um, and then both Southside Christian and Dixie both are open next week, but they've played each other already. So it's, it's a pretty crazy situation going on out there um, to get someone to come on and try to uh, explain what's going on out there to me uh, next week. Mid-Carolina is also not playing for the next two weeks. Shara and Andrew Jackson postponed until the 6th. So those are all the updates uh, in terms of scheduling. And then the big news that came out this week is the SCHSL announced that teams with positive cases during the playoffs will forfeit their game. And I'm going to talk to both Brandon Dunn and and uh, Luke about this, or Lou about this. But in my opinion, just looking at it in in the way that I know how important high school football is around here on so many different levels, this opens up Pandora's box, and not because of losing games or teams having to forfeit. Quite the opposite, actually. This opens Pandora's box because kids, parents, coaches, all are going to do everything they can to make sure that their team plays, even if it means hiding whether it's, you know, a kid not even going to get tested, hiding the test, what have you. I I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But especially with how certain people have have uh deciphered and how certain people have handled this virus, calling it right now that we will hear about a team that a report coming out of a kid on a team that loses uh, you know, the you know, loses in one of the rounds, suddenly miraculously, or, you know, unmiraculously, coming down with COVID the next day or on Monday or something and being out of school for the next week, couple of weeks. It's going to happen. Now, I don't know if the SEHSL has any contingency plans for that and, and how they'll handle it. And, and the problem, too, about that is you don't necessarily, you know, how are you going to know for sure? And and the and the simple answer to that is you you can't, you won't know. 
So that's going to be tricky. Um, you know, and, and I, I hate to say it, I I've been loving call calling games. I've been loving being out 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 there again. But this is the problem with playing in the midst of a pandemic without any contingency plans in place. It leaves it up to the kids, parents, and coaches who, as we've seen in the past, you know, as we've seen maybe not quite on this level, but, you know, a a lot of kids and parents and coaches will put winning over safety. And, and, And nowadays it's a little better. You know, us. You know, when it comes to concussions and injuries and all of that, but especially when it comes to this, I just I have a bad feeling that this is not going to end well. Yes, games have been canceled due to positive cases already, but both coaches and parents and, and even kids will become much less likely to report anything since at least to some, they'll be the ones to blame for knocking the team out of the playoffs if they report it. Like I said, I don't know what the SEHSL's plan is in order to avoid this. I hope they've thought of this. I hope they understand that this is what's going to happen. But I don't know if if they you know, if they fully grasp what is coming their way. I I hope I'm wrong. I, I hope I'm wrong. I sincerely hope I'm wrong. But we'll see. I'll take a quick break and come right back. I'll we'll run down a few scores and, and highlights and, and talk about this week in high school football. And then at eight fifteen I've got Lou Bejak Joining me, we'll talk about all the things that are going on in the Midlands. Caleb Godfrey joining me, 30, and then Brandon Dunn at 9, here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central.
Welcome back to Sports Unlimited as we have about two hours left on the show and lots of things still to talk about. And before we have Lou come on in about a little under 15 minutes, we'll run down some recaps and highlights from this this week, last night, and last week here uh, in South Carolina for high school. First, last night, Berkeley beat Ashley Ridge 35-7, to a big win for them. Ashley Ridge still in that rebuilding stage and probably being the lower down over in Region 7. Easily uh, 38-37. That sounds like it was a great matchup up in the upstate. And I was trying to find some information on that one, but couldn't really find much of anything uh, in terms of close that game was, how long that game lasted before uh, the win. South Florence beat Darlington 51-19, to and, you know, it's not really all that surprising. It is Darlington, but, you know, a big win. Congratulations uh, to uh, to the new head coach over at South Florence for getting his first win with the Bruins. <clears throat> and so I'll I'll talk about that with Brandon Dunn when he comes on uh a little later on. So a quick grand strand recap from last week. Carolina Forest destroyed Conway forty two nothing. Was very surprised that that game went as lopsided as it did considering it is a rivalry game. Sockesty beat St. James twenty to fourteen. Myrtle Beach destroyed Georgetown forty one to seven. North Myrtle Beach beat South Florence thirty five to seven. West Florence gave Hartsville their second loss of the season, thirty three twenty eight, and really showed that they are the they are for real. They are legit this season. This week they're gonna have a big matchup though, however, so we'll talk about that in a little bit. Wilson beat Darlington to get their first win, 48-0. It is Darlington, so not all that surprising there. We'll see how Wilson does this week. Dylan beat Anar 40-34. Anar looks like they're kind of back to the uh, little brother Dylan again this season over in CBA. Loris beat Waccamaw 12-7. So, congrats to Loris, Johnsonville beat Timmonsville 42-6, and Green Sea Floyd beat Hannah Pamplinko 28-12. So now area recaps. The big game uh, this week in the state, Gaffney against Dorman, and Gaffney pulled it off. They won that one 30-29. I was able, it was was the game of the week up in the upstate, and they were actually playing it on stadium uh, on Saturday, so I was able to catch it and see the majority of that game. That was a fun game to watch. Uh, so whoever, uh, you know, if you had the chance to get out there and see that game uh, Friday evening, that was you. You were lucky. That was a good one to watch. Fort Dorchester beat Goose Creek fifty-six to fifteen, and like Richie and I were talking about last night, Fort Dorchester. Looks to be the cream of the crop down in the in the low country. Uh, they they look to be on fire. 
Spring Valley beat Ridgeview 17-16. Strom Thurmond beat Brooklyn Casey 42-28. Greenville beat Lawrence 37-14. Lake City beat Lakewood 36-25. Abbeville, Abbeville beat Woodland 56 to nothing. And Palmetto beat Blue Ridge 44-20. to Games to watch out for this week. First on the Grand Strand, the big one. And I would have to say, especially after the the Dorman game this weekend, especially after Burns Dorman was canceled, well, was postponed from this weekend. This is probably the game. So if you want if you want to hear some good football, be sure to tune in on SHN Sports on YouTube to Carolina Forest against Sumter. I'll be bringing you all the action tonight. This is going to be a fun one. Carolina Forest against Sumter. I'm going to be talking to Caleb Godfrey. This is going to be a hoss fight tonight to him about what he expects tonight. And then we'll talk to Brandon Dunn about what he expects as well later on. The other big matchup in... uh, in 5A is Conway Sakasti. That is a rivalry game, and that's pretty much a game to determine who will be number three. You know, Carolina Forest and Sumter are the are the cream of the crop in Region Six. Now it's to determine who will be that number three team. Unfortunately for both of those teams, 5A because of even teams and everything, and even regions. You don't have that opportunity like you do in 4A. Um, I forget what 3A, 2A, and 1A are. Uh, But I know at least two of the other classifications have some at-large bids. So even if you don't necessarily win your region, if your region is strong enough and your schedule is strong enough, you can potentially get into the playoffs anyway. 5A doesn't have that luxury. So Conway and Sakazi are essentially playing for pride at this point and pride to say that they're better than their rival. What will be interesting, though, if Sakazi is able to win this game, they theoretically beat Carolina Forest and be, you know, at least, you know, on paper in, in that sense, the top team on the Grand Strand in 5A. Now, do I think it will happen? No. But possible? And would that make next week's matchup between the two even more important? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that will be a fun one to watch tonight. And then the the non-region game over in 5A here on the Grand Strand, and this is going to be kind of an interesting matchup especially with how St. James is right now. St. James against Lamar. And Lamar is a 1A school. It it sets up that, that age-old question. Can the 1A topple the Giant? Can, can David beat Goliath? And can a 1A beat a 5A? I'll ask Brandon Dunn what he thinks about that later on. But I don't think so. Even as poor as St. James is, 
I just think there, are, you know, there's too much of, this, of a discrepancy that I just don't think it's it's possible. But we'll see. And there is, there actually is an interesting little, uh, and and it's kind of funny that I didn't even realize looking at the schedule. I didn't even realize I didn't put two and two together that Lamar was a one A school. There is a potential. Now, I don't know if it'll happen. All depends upon whether or not how much either one of these two schools wants to play each other. But there is that potential for, because Green Sea Floyd has a bye week or has an open slot on the 30th as well. There is that potential that you could see Green Sea Floyd's pair up with either Carolina Forest or Conway and have another 5A versus 1A matchup here on the Grand Strand. That would be fun. I, I, I'd i be, you know, it would be, well, this year not so much. If this were last year when Green Sea Floyd was the, you know, was dominating everyone in 1A, it would have been a much more interesting matchup. But this year... I think if Green Sea Floyd came and played Carolina Forest, I think it would be a blowout, personally. But it would be an interesting matchup. It would be a fun matchup to see. I'm honestly kind of hoping it happens, but we'll see. Moving on, we've got North Merrill Beach against Wilson this week. That's going to be an interesting matchup. Can North Merrill Beach continue their hot start? Wilson back to win. They, I mean, they did win last week, but they really need to prove themselves against a better team now. The big matchup in 4A is West Florence against Peak. Coming in hot. Who is the who is the top dog in Region Six 4A? Now, the thing about this matchup, and and the thing about Region 6 4A in general is that you could theoretically, there is a situation. Now, like I said, I think I think it's almost a foregone conclusion at this point, just looking at the rankings, that Region 6 4A will get in the lower state for 4A. And I think... Region 6 deserves at least one of those, if not two. Because right now you have three Region four, Region 6 teams ranked in the top 10 in the state. You got Myrtle Beach at one, you got North Myrtle Beach at six, and West Florence at seven. And you still have Wilson and a winless Hartsville still getting votes, still receiving votes. Now, will that still be the case following this week? Who knows? But it's going to be uh, it's going to be very interesting uh, to see. West Florence, like I mentioned, West Florence Merrill Beach. That is the matchup. That's the game of the week here on the Grand Strand, and that's going to be a fun one to watch. 
Georgetown Loris, that should be a good one. That's a battle to determine probably who will win uh three their region in three A three seven. And then Lakeview and Johnsonville, that's another one that also should determine who will win the, that region uh down in one A. So now of our area games to watch, we'll talk about this one with uh Lou in just a little bit. Dutch Fork against River Bluff. That's a big matchup. That's outside of Carolina Forest Conway. Or Carolina Forest Sumter, excuse me. That matchup is probably the biggest in the state tonight. Dutch Fork River Bluff. Some other matchups to watch. Brooklyn Casey Gilbert. That should be a good one. Great Collegiate Saluda. That one probably will determine the region over there. Irmo and AC Flora. That that would have been a big one anyway. Tonight it it gets added pressure since they're the only two game they're the only game playing in their region tonight because the other five or the other four teams or the other yeah the other four teams have all had their games postponed due to COVID. So that adds a little extra pressure. I'll ask. Uh, Lou, what he thinks about that in just a little bit as well. Spring Valley and Northwestern face off. That will be a good one tonight. May River and Buford. Uh, that one more than likely will determine. Well, maybe not. Hilton has a, has not played a game yet. So they could potentially come in and, and destroy everyone. But that one will, you know, more than likely, that that one will at least, make someone's life a lot harder as we are at 8.15, just waiting on Lou to call in as we'll talk about a few other notes real quick. You got North Augusta against South Aiken. That should be a good one out uh, on the west side of the state. Daniel and Wren, that one may... Decide their region. Camden Lake City. That one may decide their region as well. Down in the Charleston area. Oceanside and Hanahan. We talked about that one. Uh, last night. With Richie. And that, and we talked to their coaches. That one should be a good one. And now we have. The man, the myth, the legend. Lou Bejak. Lou, how's it going? Pretty good. I appreciate you having me on this morning. Brandon. Yeah, of course. Well, let's get right into it. A big match this week uh, between Dutch Fork and River Bluff. River Bluff comes into this game not playing at all uh, thus far. Do you see that having any impact in this one? Yeah, that definitely will have an impact. I mean, they had their last time they were on the field against another team. It's almost a month ago. They scrimmaged. There's a four-team scrimmage with them, Camden, South Florence, and North Augusta, and uh, now, I mean, they've been out of practice pretty much and until this week, and um, I think they did some conditioning last week. But yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a challenge. Number one, that time off, and you know you're not in game shape um, to begin with, and and then you're playing a Dutch Fork team that's got two games under their belt. They're the number one team in the state, four-time defending state champs. I think a 42-game unbeaten streak. 
uh, in, in the game. So, yeah, it's definitely going to be uh, a big task. But um, if they can get through this week, I think they will. Um, I still think they're the second best team in that region. So it just so happens you got to play Dutch Fork first. And I mean, they've lost five games in the last two years. River Bluff has, and two of them have been the Dutch Fork. So it's going to be a tough one tonight. Does River Bluff have any chance tonight, or is it basically just how how much is Dutch Fork going to win by? I think it might be a little bit closer than the past couple of years. I mean, they they got a lot back. Um, uh, Jackson Stone, the quarterback, is pretty good. And then his backup is uh, Bobby Bentley's son, um, um, Jackson Bent- or Bentley. Um, he's uh, he's uh, going to be a Division One uh, quarterback, but he's got, he's young, so he, he's just a sophomore. So um, they got a good running game in Riley Myers, who's who actually this time the time off kind of helped him. He uh, he hurt his hand that first that scrimmage, so he should be all. Uh, well and go and then they got a Kendall Long a receiver who's going to committed to Syracuse so they're pretty talented on offense defensively they get a lot of playmakers um but uh, I think Dutch Fork's offense is a little too much and the defense has been really stout the first two games um uh, shut out in the first week allowed 12 points last week uh 14 sacks in the first two games which is pretty pretty amazing as well yeah i mean well it's kind of interesting that you mentioned that with the injuries and everything that's been kind of one of the uh bright spots of all the the postponements and everything is that certain teams have been able to rest up and get healthy and have gotten well not not for river bluff but for some other schools like hilton head down in the low country they got lucky because they had to, they don't have to face off against some of the top teams to start off. They get an easier schedule to start off their season. Moving on down to yeah. uh, read with uh, moving on down to four a region four a had a very bad week this week. Uh, and as a result, the only game playing is Irmo AC Flora, which looks to be the matchup for the region title. How much added pressure does that add to these two teams that you not only have the spotlight of this is probably the matchup to determine who's going to win the title, but also being the only team in the re- the only game in the region going on, and who do you have coming out on top? Yeah, I like it. this is going to be a good one. This game I'm going to be at tonight. Yeah, it's going to be for the uh, basically for the region title and the loser. I think probably could could finish second, get that second seed, but it, it should be a good one. Uh, AC Flora, I got to see them last week. They look really good against Northeast. They scored 42 points in the first eight minutes of the game. Um, they had a really good dynamic offense um, with Ethan Beamish at quarterback, Eric Rice, uh, Matt Pack, Tyrell Coleman, Chris Lofton. They're they're really good and talented. Their defense, uh, they got one uh, Division One commit in Marion Hammond. Uh, was committed to Georgia State, and the other two are really good. Uh, uh, Stevens and um, Jalen Brown, so they're, they're getting college looks. And you got a uh, Appalachian State committed tight end and Banks Pope, so he plays offense, defense, and so they're strong. And Irmo, um, they struggled last year in uh, Coach Brand, Aaron Brand's first year. Uh, they only won two games, and they already got two wins now. Uh, they dropped down from 5A to 4A, which is going to help them a lot. And it's going to be a test tonight. Uh, they got one of the best uh, assistant coaches in the state, Miles Aldrich. He's, a, I think he's 70 years old, but he's got a wealth of knowledge. I mean, he's been a head coach 
uh, at um, all kind different high schools. He's also coaching college and in the pros. So he knows how to get a defense going, and he's going to need it tonight. Um, but that, that should be a fun matchup. And uh, I think, like you said, it's the, the winner's going to win the region um, unless barring something happens. How how much you know? Since you mentioned it, how much has dropping down from five A to four A helped Irmo, especially since the region that they were in in five A was that buzzsaw of you know Dutch Fork, River Bluff, their top caliber schools. Yeah, yeah I think it's helped them. I mean, it's a pretty tough region. It's going to be a really good region for basketball too. Uh, you know, Co- Coach Whipple, and then you got Flora and Dreer and. I mean, it's going to be a heck of a basketball region too, but I think this will be, this will help them and help their program. And uh, I think uh, they could definitely go far. Um, like I said, if they don't win tonight, um, they, they're still in a good position to get that second spot in the final uh, playoff berth. But it's, uh, I like what coach brand and the energy he brings to the program. And uh, it, like I said, it's going to take a couple of years to get things going. Uh, they got some a lot of young talent coming up. Uh, his son being one of them, who's the quarterback on the JV team as an eighth grader. I think in the future he's you're going to hear a lot from him. So we'll we'll see what happens. But yeah, it's definitely going to benefit all their programs uh, from dropping to five A to four A. Going down to three A, the another big matchup in the area is Saluda against Great Collegiate tonight. What are the keys in that one, and who do you have coming out on top in that one? I pick gray, but it's tough. I mean, it's hard to go against the state champs, but I know Saluda has lost a lot. And then top of the fact that they didn't play last week because Newberry had to cancel or postpone their game. So they're coming a little weak. Um, basically, they're going to be fresher. Like I said, these teams coming off uh, not being able to play a week or two, they definitely will be fresher and that. But uh, I, gray, gray got a lot of weapons. So you got – Trey Robinson, who came over from Batesburg, Leesville. You got a uh, guy in Casey Adams, a running back, who 2,000-plus all-purpose yards uh, last year. They they're, they got a really good, strong, big offensive line for a 2A school. Um, and they, they're strong on defense. They got a guy, Chris Roan, who just got his first college offer yesterday from Georgia State. He plays offense and defense. And I think Greg, Greg wants to take that next step. They made it last year to the third round of the playoffs. Gave Abbeville all they could uh, before before losing. So yeah, I think it's going to be uh, it should be a heck of a ball game. And Saluda got I mean they lose Noah Bell and that, but they got McCrary a quarterback and uh, they got a Montrevious uh, Baker uh, running back. It should be a fun uh, matchup tonight. And uh, Saluda is a fun place to go as far as uh, the crowd and everything. And I know it will be. Um, scaled down a little bit, but I still think the atmosphere will be good and definitely going to be one of the better games in the state tonight. One one thing you mentioned there, uh, you mentioned how some teams have come back refreshed because of having to miss a game. Has that been something you've been noticing? Do you think it's been better for teams to have to miss a week because they come back, you know, even more refreshed or have they, or have some teams, come back a little sloppy because they've had to miss a week? I think it's going to be a little bit of both. I think at first um, it's the ones that have been off multiple weeks, and I mean, we'll see it tonight, like you said, with Lexington and River Bluff and uh, schools like Hilton Head who haven't played in two weeks. And you're going to see it in the next few weeks with the teams that are off. Um, so I think it would be some sort of, you know, 
you know, just not being out and playing against another team for a couple of weeks. But as far as uh, uh, they're going to be fresher, I mean, but it's just a matter of having that game shape. And that's going to be the biggest thing. Um, but I think in the long run, it might help some teams that have a week or two off. I mean, uh, under the circumstances, it's not good to have a couple yeah. weeks off, but I mean, but it could get them in, I mean, help them down the road. Um, like I said, keep them fresher, keep them healthier uh, and everything. This, this, this weekend, but it's been the the whole entire season, it seems, um, you know, you, you don't want to talk about, you know, obviously we want to talk football, but, you know, especially for you, you've had to talk about it a lot with, you know, almost all of the teams in the Midlands getting shut down for one reason or another. What, is there a reason for that? Why has the Midlands been hit so much harder than everywhere else? Yeah, I just wrote a piece uh, It went up this morning. Basically, we got 32 teams we cover, and 29 have been affected one way or another, um, whether it be in their own doing or they've had to move a game or postpone a game because of that. I mean, so, yeah, it's – I mean, the area itself, Richland, Lexington County have been – I mean, if you look at the numbers uh, throughout since March, I mean, they, they've been through the higher um, – numbers as far as cases and everything. I think it's just been uh, talking with coaches and that this week. It's, uh, I mean, uh, school districts aren't taking chances, basically. If you get a positive test and if the, they look at the contract uh, tracing and they, they see that they come in contact with 20, 25 guys around, I mean, they're not going to take any uh, chance and they're going to shut down. Uh, and just on the side of caution, you look at Westwood, they didn't even have, I don't think, a player that tested positive, but they played Lugoff, and one of their uh, linemen tested positive. So they're shutting. I mean, they would have had to miss 12, 13 guys from defense, so they weren't taking any chances. So, yeah, schools are definitely being cautious. They don't want to have they don't want to have any lawsuits or kids getting sick. And for the most part, I mean, I don't the teams that have had to miss games and stuff, and uh, with uh, COVID kids testing positive, I don't think we um they, there hasn't been any serious health issues so far which right. is good um yeah. but the schools aren't gonna risk or take any chances right now well then uh, because that leads me into my next question you know SEHSO came out with their edict that says if you have a positive case during the playoffs you have to forfeit is that you know schools have been especially in the midlands have been very cautious and even if there's any chance of a case they shut down the program. What have you been hearing about yeah, just, that from coaches, from families, about is that going to change come playoff time now that, you know, if you have to miss out on that game, you're out of the playoff? Yeah, the, I mean, that's – I asked Jerome Singleton about that, and he's like – he hopes that, uh, that they wouldn't – coaches or that wouldn't do – I mean, sacrifice the health of their players just to win, not only in the playoffs but for the regular season – I think, yeah, it's going to be tough. We saw it with um, the swimming. You got the uh, boys and girls swimming state championships. The girls on Saturday, the boys on Monday, and Fort Dorchester is not going to be able to compete because they had a person on that team tested positive, and the people, the girls that uh, that they're around. I mean, the, the school district's not uh, messing around. So the only way it could um, the scenario where it, you could get a little relief is in the first round, say like. Uh, I talked with single 10. Basically, if you're the second-place team 
and you, you're the number two seed or number one seed, and you can't play. It comes up before that first-round game on Friday. You can get another team in the region, basically, say mm-hmm. like the third-place team to take your place. Um, but once the playoffs start, I mean, you can't do that. There, if you lose, say like a team that um, you win your first-round game but then have person or two test positive, the team you beat, they can't take your place. So, yeah. I mean, so, some teams might have an easier road now because of it. So I think everyone's just going to be a safe and cautious. And I mean, that a bunch of practices and that, and teams are doing that. They're, they're uh, with mask and wiping everything down and just, they're being as safe as they can. And uh, we got a couple of districts that haven't even met for face-to-face uh, um, school yet. So that, that's kind of helped them as well. You're not in as much contact as uh, say the kids that are going back to school every day uh, in person classes. You you mentioned one final question. You mentioned you talked to uh, Commissioner Singleton. Did he say anything? Obviously, school seemed to be being cautious and doing the right thing, but if a school, it does come out that a school tried to hide something in order to stay into the playoffs, is there anything that they have in place as, you know, what happens if a school does decide to do that? Uh, he didn't mention that, but I did ask uh, Camden coach, uh, Brian Rimp, who they, they had to miss uh scrimmage in their first game. He said his district, Kershaw County, basically, if it was found out that you would be fired, I mean, there would be no tolerance. The coach would be fired. So, I mean, I think that's pretty much going to be the standard. Um, uh, I mean, he's told basically you get, you get a pink slip, your, your job is done. So, um, whether the high school league would do extra punishment or anything. I think the school districts will handle that kind of punishment. Well, thanks for joining us this morning, and uh, good have fun tonight over at uh, at the game uh, tonight uh, over at uh, AC Flora. Uh, that should be a fun one to watch. So Definitely, Brandon. Appreciate you having me on, man. Yep, maybe we'll have you on next week. Talk to you next time. Sounds good. We'll take a quick break and come right back, and we'll have Caleb Godfrey on here on Sports Unlimited.
star Spend a lot of money on my brand new guitar Baby's got a habit, diamond rings and Fendi sports bras Riding down Rodeo in my Maserati sports car Got no stress, I've been through all that I'm like a Marlboro man, so I keep going back Wish I could roll on back to that old town road I wanna ride till I can't go Welcome back to Sports Unlimited here on Southern Sports Central as we now have Carolina Forest offensive guard Caleb Godfrey joining me. And Caleb, how's it going? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing good, doing good. We got a big matchup tonight against Sumter. But first, before we get into that one, how impressed have you been with the team thus far uh, two and zero, oh, two big wins. First against South Florence, and then against Conway. And it just looks like the offense is running on all cylinders. Even though the team lost four top skilled players uh, this past off season. Um, yes, sir. I've been very impressed with our offense. Um, we did lose some good players, but I think just the overall chemistry of the senior class has been amazing. And it's allowed us to just fire on all cylinders. How how good did it feel last week to shut out rival Conway and have such a great performance against the rival team? Um, it felt very good, especially with um, Conway was all over social media talking junk and all that. And I kept telling everybody just stay out of the social media and stuff. We'll let our play and do the talking. And it showed up on the scoreboard on Friday night. It did, that it did. And now this week, you got the big test, probably the biggest test of the season for the Panthers when we, when you guys have to travel out to Sumter to face the Gamecocks. How prepared do you think the team is, and have you guys prepared any differently to have to face, against, face off against that strong defense front seven uh, for Sumter? Um, I think we're very prepared. We had a great week of practice, and we're going to try and do what we always do, and that's go out, hit them in the mouth, play more physical and faster than they can, and we'll see what happens. Have you guys done anything special in practice or had any, you know, any, do anything different this week knowing that you have to face off against you're lining up against three, maybe even four Division One level caliber defensive guys um not specifically we just know that we have to play as fast and physical as possible um making sure that every day at practice this week every single play we're busting it just trying to prepare because we know we're going to be going against those guys so it'll be fun to go against them tonight where what do you think is the biggest uh key for you guys in stopping you know the likes of Justice Boone and McKnight and and all of those guys over on the Sumter front seven um I think the biggest key is just going to be 
like I said, we got to move them off the ball. We can't let them dictate the line of scrimmage. Um, I think as long as we keep inching down the field, we'll be good. What outside of you know, which that's going to be you know that that's going to be the storyline of the game is is the offensive line, your offensive line, up against. Outside of that, what is, what do you think is the key in order to have the Panthers come home with a victory tonight? Um, I think it's going to be everybody playing together. I think defensively it's just going to be everybody swarming to the ball. We need all 11 players attacking the ball. Um, offensively, we got to go out and make some plays, um, bust some runs. Running backs got to be able to make some – one-on-one plays, get past the safety, whatever that may be. Receivers got to catch some 50-50 balls and uh, might have to scramble a few times and bust some big plays. What what has been your most uh, – what has been the biggest thing you've been both looking forward to and what's been the most fun aspect of your senior season thus far? The same guys that I've played with since seventh grade. Um, that's been awesome to do. I love everybody on the team. Um, I've, I'm looking forward to going against Sumter because I always like going against bigger and better competition. And uh, like you said, they got some D1 players, and I'm looking forward to the challenge. It, it's been great having you on, and tonight's going to be a – tonight's probably the biggest game. I, I mentioned it earlier. Tonight's probably the biggest game in the state uh, overall. So it's going to be a fun one to watch. Uh, good luck tonight, and uh, I look forward to seeing you later on today. Yes, sir. Thank you. That was Caleb Godfrey, offensive lineman from Carolina Forest. And, yeah, big, big game tonight for the Panthers. The the biggest matchup for this season thus far. Uh, and, and it's going to be a fun one. We'll uh, – Talk a little bit of some other news real quick. We we ran through a couple of the games outside of the area earlier, uh, but we'll finish it off real quick. Like I mentioned, Oceanside Hanahan, that's a big matchup down in the low country. Chesney against Landrum, that could be the matchup for their, their region. Christchurch against Crescent, that will be a big matchup as well. Southside Christian against McCormick, they that could be a matchup to determine their region and then Baptist Hill Whale Branch. Also another big one this weekend. Going through the uh latest media polls for each region, over in five Dutch Fork has basically taken over the number one spot and Barring something crazy happening, they obviously they have a big matchup tonight against River Bluff. But barring something crazy happening, I think they're they are the team to beat it once again over in 5A, and nothing seems to be stopping them. Gaffney is up to two after Dorman lost to Gaffney. Gaffney takes over their number two spot. Fort Dorchester jumped up from four to three. Dorman dropped down from four to from two to four, with Burns dropping down from four to five. Sumter still at six. T.O. Hanna jumps up from nine to seven. Carolina Forest, from being not ranked last week, 
jumps up to the eighth spot after their big win against Conway. Goose Creek drops down to nine from seven. And Northwestern jumps up from being not ranked. They are take they took the tenth spot from River Bluff. So River Bluff has a little bit of uh uh getting make making sure that the voters know that they are still take on Dutch Fork. Spring Valley also receiving votes. They dropped out of the polls from nine. And Ridgeview also receiving votes. Over in 4A, you've got Myrtle Beach with all of the votes, 13 number one votes at number one. South Point at two. Greenville at three. AC Florida at four. Greenwood at five. North Myrtle at six. West Florence at seven, May River at eight, Westside at nine, and Greer at ten. They they are the only ones to move at all. They were not ranked last week, but now they move up to the number ten spot, taking over for Hartsville, who lost again. They're zero and two now, but yet they're still receiving votes. As is Wilson, Lawrence, Irmo, and Catalba Ridge, as well as Buford. So the only movement, like I mentioned, Greer getting into the polls over Hartsville and Hartsville dropping out. Over at 3A, you've got Dillon at 1 with 12 number 1 place votes. Wren at 2, they have one, two, one first place vote. Chapman at 3, Daniels at, Daniel at 4. Camden jumps up from 6, six to 5. Chester tr- jumps up from 7 to 6. Belton Hanea Pats jumps from ju- goes down from seven to five or five to seven, excuse me. Gilbert jumped up from ten to eight. Oceanside Collegiate goes up from ten to nine. Strom Thurman jumps up from not being ranked to tenth. And also receiving votes are Union County, Hanahan, Fairfield, Senator, Central, Anor, and Lake City. Over in 2A, you've got Abbeville at 1 with 12 first-place votes. Barnwell at 2, Newberry at 3. Saluted jumps up from 5 to 4, and they also get one first-place vote, which is pretty crazy. Grade Collegiate drops down from 4 to 5. Cherod goes from 6, is at 6. Timberland at 7, Chesney at 8. Batesburg-Leesville jumps up from 10 to 9. Wade Hampton goes from not being ranked to 10th, with Andrews dropping out of the polls. They still receive votes. Central, Latta, North Central, Kingstree, Christchurch also receiving votes this week over in 2A. Over in 1A, Lamar getting seven first-place votes. Lakeview at number two getting five first-place votes. Outside Christian jumps up from four to three. Green Sea Floyd goes from 5 to 4. They're getting one first place vote. Blackville Hilda jumps from 9 all the way up to 5. They got one last week. Whale Branch jumps up from 8 to 6. Hamburg Earhart is still at 7. Tied for 8 is Wilson Elko and Rich Spring Manetta. And at 10 is Wagner Sally. Also receiving votes this week, McCormick. C.E. Murray, Carver's Bay, Branchville, Baptist Hill, and Johnsonville. And some other 
notes around the state. Like I once again, if you want to call in, if you want to talk some uh, high school sports, college sports, pro sports, what have you, that number to call three two three seven eight four nine six eight one. That number again three two three seven eight four nine six eight one. And some other notes around the state. Hilton Heads Jalen Sneed, who we talked about last night with uh, with the guys from Loco Sports, he's in, he was invited to the Under Armour All American Game. That is congratulations to him. He's gonna he's gonna be a big time player at the next level. That is for sure. Some quick notes from this past weekend's uh, Big Shots event, Merrill Beach Fall Hoop Fest. Carolina Force Elite 2021, Corbin Pack from Carolina Force. He had the third most three-pointers of his of his class. Going down to 2022, Anthony Jennings from Carolina Forest Elite as well. Carolina Forest leading scorer for 16-under, tied for the most three-pointers. Wesley Fletcher had the fourth was the fourth leading scorer for 16-under and had the second most free throws out of anyone. Grind time, grind time grinders. Mackie Rivers had the fifth most points overall for 16 under. Low Country Storm 2022. Thomas Opold, Opold tied for the most three pointers for 15 under. LCS Allard 2022. Malin Allard had. Had the fifth most three pointers for 16 under. LCE 2024, Yannick Smith from Somerville, third most points per game and third most free throws. Also was tied for third most three pointers out of anyone. Ascend Ballers 2025, Jeffrey Caesar with third in points per game, second in overall points, third in in free throws and three-pointers. Javion Crawford, fifth in points per game, third in overall points. LA Elite 12-under won the whole tournament. And Coach Mark Gerald, Elite 12-under, TJ Troy from the Blythewood area, was second in points per game. Some other quick basketball notes. The big news this week that came out, Beach Ball Classic announced, first off, announced their teams uh, for the main tournament, and a bunch of a bunch of South Carolina schools, particularly on the Grand Strand, announced for this season. First, Blythewood and Dorman going back once again from outside of the Grand Strand, and for the Grand Strand, you've got Carolina Forest, Myrtle Beach, North Myrtle, and Socasty all in it this season. So that's going to be a fun one. Uh, That's going to be a fun one to call. That's for sure. Uh, And I'm definitely looking forward to that. Looking forward to basketball season this year, Uh, even though we we're still in the midst of football season. So, but looking ahead, basketball season quickly approaching and the beach ball classic also announced a winter jam. To me, at least, I'm not sure exactly the exact date, but it seems to me like it's basically going to be like a pre-show to the main event, assuming that it is before the main beach ball classic. One South Carolina team was announced for it, Cardinal Newman. 
And then one final quick note, uh, Will Taylor played in the Baseball Factory All-Star Classic, committed to Clemson for both baseball and football last week, went one for three with a double down the left field line, also had a pop-out and a strikeout. Uh, so, But still, congrats to him. That's a big tournament that he uh, he went to play in. Uh, so congrats to him. That's going to be a big one uh, for for him. So we'll take a quick break and come right back. Brandon Dunn from WPDE right here on Sports Unlimited. Where it began I can't begin to know it But then I know it's growing strong Wasn't the spring And spring became the summer Who'd have believed you'd come along Touching hands, reaching out, touching me, touching you.
Welcome back to Sports Unlimited here on Southern Sports Central. And joining me now at the 9 o'clock hour is Brandon Dunn from WPDE. Brandon, how's it going this morning? Going well. How you doing, buddy? Uh, Not too bad. Not too bad. Got a big matchup to get ready for tonight. And that's where we'll start it off uh, right now. What going into this matchup tonight? What do you think Carolina Forest has to do in order to win tonight? And do do they have a shot? Oh yeah, there's no doubt they have a shot. Um, you know, Sumter's not unbeatable. Uh, they're good. There's no doubt about it. Their defense is very, very, very good. But if Carolina Forest continues to do what they're doing offensively. Uh, and I spoke with Mark Morris earlier this week. He's in a, you know, they got a couple of new wrinkles they're going to throw at them uh, just, to, just to keep them honest. Um, I, I think this is going to be a heck of a ball game. There's no doubt about it. It's two of the best in the, in the state, both ranked this past week in the media poll, which wasn't surprising. Um, so, you know, I know Carolina Forest has had this game marked on their calendar for, uh, for a while now, knowing this game was coming up and that it could – easily determine who wins this region. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's time to time to set the clock and, and let's get going, but, uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah. It's, it's going to be the biggest test this offensive line from Carolina Forest has had this, so far this, this season, uh, going up against that, um, Sumter defensive front, but I know those guys will be ready to go. And, and I know they've, uh, they've heard of, heard of plenty about Sumter over the last, uh, the last couple of days. Yeah, I was just talking to Caleb Godfrey before you came on, and he was saying, "Yeah, we we know what we know what we're up against, but we're ready for the challenge." Last night, oh yeah, first first time, uh, you know, this season thus far, at least, we've had a Thursday night game uh, here on the Grand Strand. Last night, South Florence getting their first win of the season against Darlington. What was your biggest takeaway from that game? And is South Florence enough to is are they improving enough to potentially play spoiler to anyone, or was that more than likely their only win? Um, two takeaways. I was impressed with Darlington's start. Uh, they jumped on the board two two early touchdowns in the first quarter and actually led twelve nothing before South Florence. Um, even put any points on the board. So I, I was impressed with uh, Darlington's start. I thought they uh, they came out with a pretty good game plan. Um, I, but I think South Florence has too many uh, talented players um, to let that one get away, which clearly they didn't. They, they kind of buckled back down and figured it out and obviously got the win. I'm not sure if they've if South Florence has enough yet in the tank to play spoiler, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, they've got talent. There's no doubt about that, but still relatively young, not unlike they were last year. They still trying to learn the system. I think Drew will get them moving in the right direction. They'll win, they'll win some games. Uh, I'm just not quite sure it'll be this year, uh, to be quite honest with you. But I was impressed. I have been impressed with Lenoria Sellers, their their quarterback, very elusive guy, uh, guy gets around really well. Does did that last night, 
good athlete, uh, good young man. Um, so, but I'm not sure if they're ready to make that that next jump to play spoiler for anybody. Um, you know, last night may have been uh, may have been their uh, their one opportunity to, to get a win in that region. Uh, to be quite frank, uh, West Lawrence is tough. Uh, they still have to play them. They still have to play Wilson. Wilson's got some talent too, and they're starting to get it together. So uh, Hartsville, they got to play Hartsville. So I'm, I'm not sure there's many winnable games left on their schedule. Matchup. I mean, you know, even with Hartsville being you know 0 and 2, they're still a a big threat. But the big matchup this week in 4A is West Florence against Myrtle Beach, especially considering it's at Myrtle Beach. Does West Florence have a chance of pulling off the big upset again, or do you think, you know, this is Myrtle Beach's game to lose? No, West has all the firepower and the potential to uh, uh, to win this game. Um, their quarterback is very good. They've got a very good tailback. Um, their offensive line is big. Uh, they'll be able to they'll be able to move some guys around. Um, the question will be, do they have enough defensively to slow down J.J. and Adam? Mm-hmm. Um, that'll be the big key. Now, Nike Johnson is a D1 commit to Virginia mm-hmm. Tech. That battle with him and J.J. is going to be really fun to watch. Um, I just don't know if they have another guy that's capable – of slowing down Adam Randall on the other side. They may have to double team him. Um, they may have to bring a safety over to, to help in that situation, but then you're going to leave Nike on an Island, but you know, he's going to Virginia tech for a reason. So that, that'll be interesting. But you know, then again, on the flip side, Myrtle beach has got to slow down West Florence's offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're just as capable and, and how they run their offense. They are, they are a run-oriented offense, and they do it quite well. But they're they're as capable, more than capable of, of opening things up too. With Floyd, he's got a great arm. He's a he's a dual threat quarterback. They haven't faced a dual threat quarterback yet this season. So, uh, yeah, your the answer to your question is yeah. West Florence has has enough to uh, to win this game. That will be a fun matchup uh, between Johnson and Jones because both of them are going to ACC school. So it'll be kind of a precursor of what we may be seeing on Saturday night moving forward. Oh, yeah. And that's kind of been one of the the big talking points this week was that earlier in this week, JJ and Nike were having fun on Twitter. I mean, those guys obviously know each other and they were having a good time on Twitter just talking about how excited they were to, to face off uh, against each other. And, um, you know, this is, like you said, they're going to be doing it at the next level as well with JJ at North Carolina and, and Nike at, at Virginia Tech. So, uh, you know, you, you see this matchup in college, but you don't see it very often in high school. So this is going to be a treat for people that's, uh, uh, that are going to go out and watch the game and, of course, watch it on TV as well to see these two young men doing it at high school, uh, the high school level. Definitely, definitely. Sticking uh, over in Region 6, I was looking at the brackets, and uh, 4A in the lower state has two at-large bids. With how powerful and and how 
you know, right now there are five teams that are at least receiving votes in the 4A poll. Is there any chance you can see them putting four Region 6 schools in the playoffs this season? I don't see how you couldn't. I mean, it is arguably the toughest region in the state of South Carolina, uh, and I've been saying that for years, and so have the coaches. Um, I don't know how you leave. Let's just let's just say that Myrtle Beach and North Myrtle Beach are one and two. Let's just say mm-hmm. that, that that's, you know, how do you leave out West Florence if their mm-hmm. only two losses are to Myrtle and North Myrtle? You know, I don't, I don't know how you leave. I don't know how you leave them out. Um, you know that that region's going to beat each other up, and you're going to have a top tier region uh, where you're going to have three up top and and the other guys uh, below. So I don't know how you don't put North Myrtle, Myrtle, and West Florence uh, in the playoffs and have one of those teams as the at large uh, if if they don't finish in the top two. Uh, I just, I just pretend, don't know how you leave that out. Could you potentially see if, you know, say Wilson plays well and they only have, you know, one or two losses or, you know, if, if uh, Hartsville is able to get back on track and their only two losses are right there and they two uh, region six teams being put in. Uh, I don't know because you're, somebody's going, I mean, if let's just say that, um, those top three teams we talked about, let's say Myrtle, North Myrtle, and West Florence. Let's just say that mm-hmm. they're um, – one of the teams is going to beat, let's just say some somebody like um, – let's just – for example, let's just say Myrtle. Let's say Myrtle wins all their games. Obviously, they're in. Okay, so <laughs> – you you put them you put them in there, but I'm not sure if a team that already has two losses, um, because Hartsville still has to play Myrtle Beach, so they're going to have to beat Myrtle Beach. If they don't, you're talking about three losses for them. Yep. I don't see how you put them in. Um, Wilson's in the same boat. If they lose tonight to North Myrtle Beach, that gives them two conference losses, and they still have yet to play Myrtle. Mm-hmm. So if they lose to Myrtle, I don't see how you put them in. You know, you, you see where I'm going here? Yeah. And then I don't oh, yeah. think – then you're already talking about um, Darlington's definitely not going to make it because yeah. they already have three losses. Um, South, South not gonna make it. they still have to play West. Um, they still have to play Hartsville. I mean, anything could happen. It's gr- granted. But I think this region is top-heavy mm-hmm. uh, at the moment, and with – which is weird because usually you have Wilson and Hartsville right there in the mix, uh, but both teams are are uh, are struggling at the moment. Now Wilson obviously picked up their win, but they still have to play Myrtle North Myrtle, um, which is which is still on their which is still on their schedule. So I don't know if there's more than three teams that are going to make it. Yeah, I I think there's definitely three teams that are going to make it. The the fourth probably you're you're probably right. You you would be hard pressed to put in a two loss team, uh, in there. Moving back up to five A, Sakasi and Conway are battling it out tonight to see who will more than likely be the third place team in that region, and who can at least attempt to keep their playoff hopes alive. What are your thoughts on that matchup, and who do you see coming out on top? You know, I'm impressed with 
the way Sakasti has played the first couple of weeks. Granted, um, you know, they had to come back to beat St. James, and of course they, they lost to Sumter, but a lot of teams are going to do that. But they were in that Sumter game for a while. Um, and then they battled back with an incredible fourth quarter uh, to beat St. James in that, in that battle last week. Uh, I, I like Ben Hampton's uh, football team. They're a lot like their head coach, uh, very driven, um, going to lay it all on the line for the four quarters, grit, tough. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not surprised that, you know, they, they are doing as well as they are. And I don't think you can look at wins and losses this year on, on, on Ben Hampton. I mean, that's what most people do. But I think you have to look at the product on the field. And the product on the field this year has been um, impressive, or at least in my mind. Flip sides to Conway. You know, the thing about the Tigers, they're a good football team. They, they took a beating last week. Let's not sugarcoat it. Uh-huh. Uh, Carolina Forest, you know, took them behind the woodshed. But – that being said, Conway is is a, is a good football team. They they've got some talent. They are a tradition rich program. Uh, they pride themselves on that. So don't be surprised to see Conway bounce back tonight and play a lot better than they did last week. Knowing Coach Terry and and how that program is, um, you know, I, I think you got to give the inside edge to Conway. They're playing at home, coming off a tough loss, um, have something to prove. No, they got to stay in that stay in that battle. Uh, Sockesty's coming off a very, a very big, huge win. Uh, how will they handle that as being a young team with a new coach? So, I mean, I, I just, I, I, I think Conway's the, I think Conway, you got to give them a slight edge for, uh, for those reasons I just mentioned. Yeah, I think you're you're probably right there. The final team over in uh, 5A, St. James, is facing off against a 1A team tonight in Lamar. Even with St. James in a rebuilding stage, do you see any way that Lamar can beat the Sharks tonight? Oh yeah, Lamar can beat uh, Lamar can beat a lot of teams. Um, I don't care what classification you're in. Uh, Lamar's number one in the state for a reason. They are talented. They're good. They're well coached. Um, oh yeah, there's 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 no doubt that Lamar could come down here and 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 leave the beach with a win. Um, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if they won. To be perfectly honest with you, uh, Lamar has a rich tradition of uh, of football. There's you know, you don't you don't see many programs in the state of South Carolina that has a tradition like Lamar. So yeah, they, it wouldn't surprise me if they come down here and beat St. James. This week was a tough week uh, for both Conway and Carolina Forest, both losing non-region games uh, due to postponements. Is there the possibility? Because I know Green Sea Floyd has an has a an open week that week on the thirtieth as well. Any chance of one of those two teams matching up with the Trojans and and any update yet on any discussions that you've heard be, with those two schools trying to get uh, getting a, a new opponent for the 30th? No, I haven't heard anything. I'm sure that both ADs are probably working hard to try to figure that out. And no, 
it wouldn't surprise me for them to pick up Green Sea. Um, I don't see why you wouldn't. Uh, it would only benefit um, both programs if they uh, are able to fill that slot. Um, you know, the whole COVID thing, I, I don't know how you can – how do I put this? I don't know how you can penalize the program uh, for losing a game if, especially if it's out of their, out of their, you know, situation or out of their hands. So I don't know. I'm sure that they're probably scrambling and try to find a game. So I guess we'll just have to see, but no, I haven't heard anything. Since, since you brought it up, have you, you know, after what, after the SEHSL came out with their edict uh, earlier this week about the playoffs and what happens if you have a positive test during the playoffs, what have local coaches been saying about it? Have they mentioned anything? Obviously, so far so good down here when it's come to COVID, but you know, you never know what's going to happen the next day. What what have the coaches said about that? You know, to be perfectly honest with you, uh, nobody, none of the coaches really, um, outside of just doing the precautions that they've been doing since day one, have, have even mentioned COVID. Uh, at least to me, um, it's not really been a topic of conversation. Um, each coach that I've talked to each week is, you know, pretty much eyes focused on who they're playing that Friday and getting their team ready to go and trying to get their teams improved and knowing the stakes because of how the region is and knowing that only top the top two teams uh, in each region make the playoffs. Granted, obviously there's at large situations there, um, but you don't want to put yourself in that situation. You want to try to win as many games as you can to be in those top two. So I really haven't had a conversation with uh, a coach on COVID since we started uh, games. So it's been a while since I actually talked to a coach about COVID. Hmm. Moving down to uh, 3A, there's a big matchup uh, tonight. Green or uh, Georgetown against Loris facing off with both teams' playoffs hopes on the line. Who do you have winning that one, and what are some of the keys for that game tonight? Well, Loris, uh, coming off their first win of the year, going down to Waccamaw and beating a pretty good Warriors team who had really high expectations this season of, about taking that next step and uh, reaching the playoffs again. And now their their backs are against the wall. They're they're uh, they're trying to get their first win of the season, but. You know, that was a big win for Greg to go down there and, and take care of business and um, getting getting that win over the Warriors. And you flip the script on Georgetown. They're licking their wounds, so to speak, um, after the loss to, to Myrtle Beach, which is going to happen to a lot of teams. But, you know, they really struggled in that game. Uh, I was there for the almost the first half last week, and Myrtle pretty much dominated them on both sides of the ball. So they kind of had to go back and – see uh see what they need to do to correct those those type of issues and you know every game that they played this year has been um well the win was was a close one it was a one point win over Waccamaw so you know Loris in the same boat I don't you to be perfectly honest with you um you know having a new coach is is tough um but Greg's probably going to have that team ready to go at Loris. 
Uh, I hear a lot of good things about him. I've only met him once and uh, seemed like a very football-oriented guy. Been around a long time. Uh, Georgetown, like I said, is going to have some time to lick their wounds and kind of come into this one knowing that they they got to they got to pull it out. So, but I, I think you got to give Loris the edge just because they're playing at home in this type of game. Um, so I would I would say the Lions would probably pick up this win. It, it's going to be close though. And then moving down to 1A, you've got a big matchup uh, with Lakeview and Johnsonville. Um, yeah. What do you see happening in that one tonight? Whew. Man, I'm impressed with Johnsonville. Ken Cribb has done a remarkable job uh, so far this season. Uh, you know, that first win was was impressive. And then you go into Timminsville and beat Timminsville the way they did. Uh, I'm impressed with what he's done. Lewis has done really well at receiver. Um, their quarterback seems to be poised, and they're playing at a high level right now. I think their confidence is, is through the roof. Lakeview, on the other hand, you know, Lakeview's Lakeview. They're going to feel good. They've got all kinds of weapons all over the field. Quarterback play has been phenomenal. Uh, Ford is a is just a workhorse. Their defense is good. I mean, this game is going to be fun, uh, especially with uh, with both offenses able to put up some points. It's going to come down to which defense can bend but not break, and I think both defenses played well this year. Uh, I think you got to give the edge to Lakeview. Uh, I know. Johnsonville's at home, but Lakeview's been in this situation. They've played in big games like this. They they know the stakes. They they can go on the road and win. Uh, I think Johnsonville is is relatively new in that department when it comes to playing in games of this this magnitude uh, with possibly a region championship on the line. So I think you got to go with the team that's been there and done that. And uh, but it's going to be a heck of a ball game going to be one heck of a ball game that's that's one I uh I definitely want to see and see the outcome yeah that that's going to be a good one lots of good games around the area once again this weekend or well tonight uh but looking ahead to this weekend one final question before we let you go uh your your rebels have a big one this weekend well how uh yeah <laughs> you're probably not looking forward to that one too much are you tonight or on Saturday well, you know, I am. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see what Lane draws up from an offensive standpoint. I think we're going to score against Alabama. I just our defense is just not where it needs to be to to uh, slow down and or stop a program like Alabama. Um, you know, Alabama is going to score. They're probably going to score forty plus on us if they get to fifty. It wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I was but, just about to ask you. Know, I was going to say over under on fifty. Yeah, I think I think they probably score fifty, just because our defense is uh, not very good. Um, still have a lot of issues on that side of the football, but our offense is is fun to watch. I, I don't think <clears throat> I don't think any reasonable Rebel fan is going to tell you that um, we're going to we're going to beat Alabama or that it's going to be close. Um, but it'll be fun to watch. Uh, I think I'm more inclined to see how we do moving forward after this week because there are a lot of winnable games on our schedule. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that it, it it's gonna be a a fun little season for you guys. Um, one well, once you get past uh, Alabama, of course, you got a, co- a couple of games that are definitely winnable. It's great to have football back. It it was great to have you on once again, and uh, you're you're gonna be over at uh, Myrtle Beach, I'm assuming tonight, right? Yeah, I'll be at Myrtle Beach, and then uh, then I'm gonna head down to uh, St. James and, and check out Lamar. And uh, I haven't seen them, and we don't. I don't get an opportunity to to see Lamar very often, just because they're uh, the distance between us and and the Grand Strand. So usually the only time I see them is when they're playing the state championship game, which has been several times since I've been here. Uh, they've won it, so I'm gonna go over there and and, and check that out. But uh, make make sure you tell your viewers. Don't forget about that Clemson Miami games tomorrow on, uh, oh, on yeah. WPDE. So check it out 7:30. It's that's gonna be a big one. And uh, obviously, who wins? Whoever wins that puts themselves in the driver's seat. Who you got in that one? I'm assuming Clemson. Yeah, I got Clemson in that one. Uh, at home, know the stakes. They've been there, done that. Um, I think that Dabble will have them ready to go, especially after the way they played last week against Virginia. I'll give Virginia credit, though. They came with a good game plan and executed the game plan, but they exposed uh, Clemson in a few in a few areas, and I know they'll try to clean that up this week and, and make sure that um, they got buckled in. So Dabble will have them zoned in on this game. I don't think he needs to have them zoned in. I, I think these guys uh, will be ready to go. So, a couple of big games on ABC first tonight, West Florence against Myrtle Beach, and then tomorrow night, Clemson against Miami. I'm sure you're going to have a lot of fun covering both of them and covering all the games tonight. Brandon, thanks for joining us once again, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, I appreciate it. Make sure you guys tune in to the end zone. It'd be another great show. Uh, Probably be more toward uh, midnight with the NBA starting up late, but uh, stay up with us, and we'll – We'll have you guys I'll, packed and ready I'll, to go. I'll probably, be, I'll probably be home by then. It'll probably it'll take us about an hour and a half to get back tonight. Oh yeah, you'll be home by then. You should be uh, you should be ready to go by uh, twelve o'clock. Right when you walk in, you'll be able to turn the tube on, check it all out. Yep, we'll look forward to it. Hopefully, uh, it'll include a Carolina Force victory tonight. Once again, yeah, we'll see. We'll be there. What? I said we'll be there. So we'll have highlights yeah. for you that that game. Yeah, so lot, lots of fun games tonight. Once again, Brandon, thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, Brandon. Take it easy, buddy. See ya. Once again, ya. Brandon, John, always fun uh, talking to him and uh, talking about all the fun things going on in on the Grand Strand uh, in the football season. And, you know, we, we'll have some basketball. I, I wanted to focus on football this week, but uh, definitely the big, the big news on the back basketball front the beach ball classic four out of the uh, invited to the beach ball classic that will be a lot of fun moving forward but obviously the big game this week uh, on the grid Sumter Carolina Forest that will be a fun one to call tonight and he's got West Florence Myrtle Beach tonight Lots of fun action around the Grand Strand and around the around the state, honestly, and it's it's been a lot of fun covering it uh, over these last couple of weeks. So we'll take a quick break and come right back and wrap things up. And once again, if you guys want to call in, this is your time to shine. 
this is your time to call in and and let's talk some sports. Let's uh, lights or if you want to talk Saturday night, Sunday night, what have you? NBA, MLB, whatever it is, whatever you want to talk about, be sure to call on in. That number to call three two three seven eight four nine six eight one. That number again three two three seven eight four nine six eight one. We'll take a quick break and come right back and wrap things up here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central.
like a rock star Spend a lot of money on my brand new guitar Baby's got a habit, diamond rings and Fendi sports bras Riding down Rodeo in my Maserati sports car Got no stress, I've been through all that I'm like a Marlboro man, so I keep going back Wish I could roll on back to that old town Welcome back to Sports Unlimited as we have about a little under a half hour left to go on the show. And once again, if you want to call in and talk some sports with me, the number to call is 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. It's been a great show. We had Brandon Dunn come on just a little while ago. Before that, we had Caleb Godfrey, offensive lineman from Carolina Forest, come on, talk about the big matchup against Sumter tonight. And prior to that, we had Lou Bejak from the state come on and talk some Midland stuff. And, you know, it, it it's it's good to have football back, but, you know, there are some worrying things, obviously, going on, uh, especially out in the Midlands. Hopefully things can get uh, settled down over there, Um, you know. But, you know, we've got football. We've got some big football this week, Um, you know, between Carolina Forest and Sumter, Conway Sockety, West Florence, Myrtle Beach. you got Dutch Fork River Bluff. Uh, You know, so many good games. And, And that's one of the fun things. That's been one of the fun things, and, and Richie and I were talking about it uh, last night on his show. That's one of the fun things about this condensed season is that not only does every game matter more in the sense of since there's only seven games, each each game means more, but also because of the condensed playoff and and therefore, and there only being two teams per region getting in, each game on a region level means a lot more. And you're getting these big matchups between powerhouse teams fighting for whether it's home field advantage. It's very much like, you know, uh, NFL football in, in that respect, where you've got, you know, you've got teams that, yes, they may be a shoe-in to get into the playoffs, but now they're trying to make sure that they're going to be the home team for that first round and for moving ahead into the playoffs. And that's going to be, you know, that's one thing that's going to be kind of interesting moving moving forward is, you know, going into the playoffs is how is the SEHSL going to determine out of the number one seeds out of the 
you know, eight or seven uh, number one seeds in each in each classification. Who who's the number one overall? Who's the top dog? I think at least for uh, at least for five um, A. At least for 5A, I think it's pretty simple. At least on the lower state side. Dutch Fork has to be the number one overall seed. Just because of who they are and and what they are and and all of that. So, I'm looking at Dutch Fork being the number one overall seed. Barring something crazy. I mean, River Bluff could beat them tonight. As unlikely as that is. You know, you could see River Bluff beat them and then all all bets are off. But barring something like that happening, Dutch Fork is going to be the number one overall seed in, in 5A in, in the lower state. Myrtle Beach will probably be the number one overall seed in 4A. What's going to be kind of interesting and but this one this one is going to be interesting kind of on a more like I don't want to say negative but I have a feeling that there because because of everything that's happened there has been no official word on where the championship games will take place normally they're held at Williams Bryce This year, I'm certainly hoping that it's still going to be at Williams Price, but whether or not it is is going to be the big question. Uh, the big question is going to be, you know, are they going to be Williams Price or? And, and if not, that's going to be the other question. If not, where is it going to be held? Uh, because. You know, you want it to be in a big enough stadium, obviously, uh, to be able to fit as many fans as possible. Although this year, obviously, well, but Williams Bryce, you know, if if they're able to get Williams Bryce, that's probably the perfect location, either that or Memorial, obviously. But the reasoning for that, especially this year, is because you can. Because you're not going to get a complete house for the state championship game games, but you'll get you know maybe you know thirty forty percent capacity, and that you'll be able to social distance out very easily. So that's the best option. I don't know if that will be possible. I don't know what's going on with South Carolina with the with the university. Uh and with the schedule and all of that. But I think that's what the SEHSL was waiting on was what what's gonna happen there. Will we be able to get Williams Bryce? And I'm certainly hoping they do. That that that's basically what I'm trying to say is I I hope they do. I kind of expect them to, but at the same time, I'm you know this year has been so wonky 
that, you know, nothing is certain. So it's going to be interesting. I don't know. You would think that they'd want to announce that people prepared and all of that. So you would think it would be coming out over the next couple of weeks. One thing that I do know that is at least more than likely coming out next week, I know the deadline is next week, uh, but it's just a matter of if they're able to, um, you know, if if they officially release them all uh, or not. But next week is the deadline. Next uh, next Thursday, the fifteenth, is the deadline for basketball schedules to come out for South Carolina high schools. So we should have an indication of um, schedules for basketball next week. Um, obviously, like I said earlier. The big news coming out this week for basketball is the the Beach Ball Classic announcing their teams and having a bunch of a, a few South Carolina teams in it. Most notably, obviously, Dorman is is the big team, uh, and they're still going to be a powerhouse. Blythewood, but then you also have four Grand Strand teams in it this year: Carolina Forest. Myrtle Beach, North Myrtle, and Socasty. So that's going to be a big. That's going to be a very fun. Uh, that's going to be very fun. I'm I'm looking forward to that a lot. I know some of you are probably saying, Brandon, you, it, it's not even. You know, we're only in week three of the football season, and, all, and you're already talking about basketball. I like focusing on all four, on all three sports. You know, I, you know, I know a lot of people are either exclusively football fans or primarily football fans, but my first sport love was actually baseball. Baseball was the first big sport, was the first sport that I really got into. And... Then, you know, then football came after that, and, and football is big for me. And But then I went, you know, I also, I went to a basketball school. I went to a basketball college in Cian Hall. So came, you know, we didn't even have a football team. So football season, outside of watching NFL games, football season was basically... Football season for us was soccer season. So, you know, this year is the first year that I'm really getting back into football, at least on a, you know, high school and collegiate. So, you know, basketball is always, you know, a fun sport to watch, fun sport to call, uh, and you know, beach ball classic is is the big time when it comes to high school basketball. So it's going to be a lot of fun watching those games, calling those games. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. But I'll move back to football. I know you know that that this is what what matters most is football. 
but uh to 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 quote the uh the AD over at uh Swanee, if you've ever seen the uh the first episode of Saturdays Down South, this is a, this is the South Sun and what matters, what matters most is football. And that that is apparently the case. Uh so you know, lots of big matchups this weekend. Carolina Forest Sumter, that's gonna be a really, really fun matchup to call. I, I'm looking forward to it a lot. This is and, and like Brandon Dutton said, like, like he said um when we were talking earlier, this is a game that I'm not sure if Sumter has. I think Sumter and and then this is going to be what's going to be interesting or one of the very one of the many interesting uh aspects of this matchup is that Carolina Forest is going into this game knowing what they're up against. Sumter came into the season with all of this hype uh especially with the defensive front with with that defensive line, with all of the top names that they've got on that defensive front, all of the all of the uh, college offers that those guys have gotten to be, you know, this was circled. Especially, you know, the offensive line, I'm sure, has had this matchup circled on the calendar even ever since the schedule came out. They said, you know, probably ever since. Uh, some the realignment was announced and Sumter was announced as part of the as part of region 6 Carolina Forest knew that that offensive line knew that this is the game that's going to test their mettle whereas Sumter and I'm just saying this just because of how I interpreted things how I perceived the Panthers going into the season struggled a little bit offensively initially because of just the sheer amount of pieces that they lost. They lost a big-time player at each skill position. Garcia, quarterback. They they lost Garcia, quarterback. They lost, uh, you know... They lost um, uh, Murphy at wide receiver. They lost Leggett at running back. And they lost uh, Morrow at tight end. Losing all four of those guys, and and this isn't just like, you know, a regular, okay, you've got one of, you know, you've got a good player that graduates. Okay. You know, yeah, it's going to be hard to replace him, but not necessarily impossible. But these are four guys that are currently on Division One programs. That shows how powerful and how good they are. And to lose four of them in one year, one at each position, that's... I mean, first off, that's astounding. That's astounding that the the Panthers have built such a dynamic program that that's that's even possible. You know, you don't you don't see that very often. But outside of that, you've got 
you've got the fact that you had to replace those guys. And even with replacing all four of those guys, this team is still winning. And they still have power. Belfield has picked up the slack very well uh, at the running back position. Janik has played very well in, at the running back position. Watkins has been dynamic both running and throwing the ball at quarterback. DJ Admiral has been playing well at wide receiver. What little opportunities he gets because this is much more of a running team than a passing team. But he's been able to dominate in in all the targets that he's gotten. He, he's only gotten a few targets. I think he's only gotten like seven or eight targets and he scored four touchdowns. So that just shows how how well he's been playing. But yeah, so this this matchup is going to be the matchup for Carolina Forest to really prove and really show everyone that, hey, we're legit this year. Uh Conway Sockesty, that'll be a good one as well. You know, both of those teams, you know, it, it's not, it doesn't quite have the stakes that Carolina Forest Sumter has, but it's still a matchup that, you know, both teams want to win this game. Both teams want to have that bragging right, if nothing else. And so both teams are going to be coming out swinging, and that's going to be a fun one. The big matchup at on with 4A is going to be West Florence against Myrtle Beach. That's the game of the week on TV here. And that game, you know, like Brandon Dunn said, West Florence, you know, Myrtle Beach is going to be in every game that they play this season. But can West Florence do it? Yeah. I could. I, is it going to be easy? No, absolutely not. It's not going to be easy by a long stretch. But can can West Florence do it? Yeah, they have the talent to do it. Like we talked about, the big matchup there is going to be Jones against uh, against John uh, against. Uh, excuse me. The big matchup there is going to be J.J. Jones against uh, Johnson. Against Nike Johnson. I I knew I had his last name correct. Uh, But, you know, that's going to be the big matchup. And it's going to be be special because, you know, like Brandon Dunn said, you don't see that very often. You don't see a one-on-one matchup between two Division One Power Five guys in high school so that's I it, you know I wish there was a way I could watch that game after the fact because I, I would love to see that matchup uh, but I'll obviously be calling the the Carolina Forest soccer, or Sumter game tonight so and, and if you want to tune into that one uh, you know go on YouTube Type in SHN Sports and you'll you'll find it. So that you know, if you want to tune into that one, that's where you tune into that one. Um, 
it it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a battle. If you like hard, you know, tough-nosed football and, and winning it in the trenches, that's the game to watch this week. If you want, you know, kind of more flashy, more based around, you know, highlight real plays, then West Florence and Myrtle Beach is going to be the game to watch. Because that's going to be the the high-flying game with J.J. Jones and Nike Johnson fighting it out on the perimeter. And then, you know, Adam Randall doing his thing. Uh, so it, it, that's going to be a fun matchup as well. North Merrill Beach Wilson's going to be fun. Georgetown Loris is going to be fun. Lakeview Johnsonville will be fun. If you want to go watch, and, and I think I do, I agree with Brandon. Uh, Lamar definitely does have a chance. Uh, but it is still, even even though it is one of the best 1A schools in the state, against one of the lower end five A schools, it is still it's still always fun, you know, no matter how good the one A school and how bad the five A school is, it still always does have that David versus Goliath feel whenever you pit bottom classification up against the top classification. So that will be a fun one to watch and to see if See if the 1A school can do it, which I think they can. Um, you know, so those those are the games to watch here on the Grand Strand. Some other games to watch tonight, Dutch Fork River Bluff, that's going to be another big one. Like I mentioned, if it wasn't for Carolina Fort Sumter, uh, that would be the game to watch in 5A this week. Obviously, you know, Dorman and, and Burns was canceled this week, uh, which that would have been the game to watch uh, this weekend. Well, postponed officially. That would have been the game to watch. Uh, that game was available. Uh, but the there are just so many games, uh, so many fun matchups. Um, and you know, it, it, it's a fun time to be a sports fan. You don't, you don't quite have all four sports going on right now because the NHL, the Stanley cup playoffs finished last week. Uh, but it's still a fun time to be a sports fan. It's a lot of fun covering it right now, whether it's locally, regionally, nationally, so many fun storylines, so many fun matchups uh, that it, it, it's just a fun time, you know, it, and, it, and it's great. What, you know, uh, Richie mentioned it last night, too. We, you know, we've been cooped up in the house for, you know, for months now, for almost half a year at this point. You know, going stemming back to March, and especially for us who live off of sports and and uh, in numerous ways, it was okay. When you know, when are sports going to be back? And this summer was so uncertain. It seemed like every day it was, you know, 
one day they were saying, oh, it, there, there's no chance sports are coming back this fall. There's no chance we're going to be playing uh, high school and college football this season. And then the next day it was, oh, it's a foregone conclusion that we are going to be playing. And so you never knew there was so much uh, uncertainty and so much trepidation of not knowing what's what's going to happen. But now that we have it, now that we're in, I won't say in the clear. Definitely not in the clear yet. But in a position where can you know kind of relax a little bit and say, okay, we've got sports now. It, it's been fun. It, it's been a lot of fun having it back. And uh, I hope you guys are all enjoying the ride with me as well. So with only about a little over two minutes left, that'll just about wrap it up for me here. Here on Sports Unlimited on Covenant Sports Central. I hope you guys enjoyed the show tonight or this morning. Excuse me. Once again, be sure to stay safe out there, everyone. Be sure to you know, do what we have to do to keep sports alive right now. And stay safe. Have fun wherever, whatever game you're going to tonight or whatever game you're going to watch or listen to tonight. And I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Until next time, I'm Brandon. We'll talk to you guys next week. So long, everyone.